Um, but last week and this week, uh, we are in a two-part kind of mini-series on the topic of prayer. Um, and so kind of by way of quick review, uh, if you weren't here last week, I uh, just encourage you to, to check out last week's sermon on our website or podcast on Spotify or, or Apple. Um, but what we learned last week is this, that uh, most importantly, we do what we believe. Um, and, and if we believe that God is all-powerful, that he's everywhere, and that he loves us as a good father, and that he hears, if that's true, and we believe that it is, uh, that he's someone that we should be talking to a lot. Uh, we learned that prayer is a, a wartime walkie-talkie, so to speak, for those who are on the mission of God. Uh, we learned that prayer is our declaration of dependence upon God, uh, and that part of prayer is petitioning God specifically based on his promises and his character, uh, as we saw in Exodus chapter 32. So if last week, if the charge was believe in prayer and act on that belief, uh, today begins to answer the how question. Uh, if we know that to be like Jesus is to pray, and that Jesus expects and commands us to pray, how do we do it? Uh, and that's what I want to dive into this morning. Uh, before we begin, though, I want to remind us of a couple of truths up front. Uh, while I hope that, that some of the methods that we're going to walk through today are, are helpful and can kind of give you a, a helpful trellis on which to grow your prayer life, I want us to know first and foremost that prayer is meant to be a joyful thing. Uh, yes, there, there is a reverence to prayer uh, because we are coming before the, the king of the universe, but uh, you're also coming before your father in heaven uh, as his child. Uh, we learned at the end of last week that the son, Jesus, gives us the right to become, uh, come boldly in his name as accepted children. Uh, then our, our father and the son give us the spirit uh, precisely to help us enjoy what it is to be as children. Uh, that is, to enjoy the loving, outgoing life of, of this God. Uh, Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Uh, in light of that truth, I don't want us to see some of these methods that we're going to talk through today uh, as restrictive or, or, or kind of stuffy or wooden in any way, uh, that they're really meant to aid us uh, in talking to God the Father as his joyful children. So hear this loud and clear. God the Father loves when his children talk to him. He loves when his children talk to him. And think about that for a second. How do children talk to their parents usually? Think about it. When your child said his or her first words, did you correct their grammar? Probably not. <laughs> you, you were stoked that they were actually talking. Uh, and I want us to think about that in light of prayer. Uh, as God's children, we're too often concerned with saying the right thing or talking in a certain kind of prayer voice. Uh, and I want to say from the, the, the beginning this morning, don't worry about that. Uh, talk to God as his children. He, he's delighted in that. Second, think through what kinds of things do children ask their parents for? Everything, right? 
everything and anything. Uh, when a child hears about Disneyland, they want to go there tomorrow, and they're going to ask for that. How do they ask? Repetitively. Uh, they don't have any concept of what's appropriate or inappropriate uh, as they ask as faith-filled children who depend on their parents. I love this quote from Paul Miller. He says this. He says, remember the point of Christianity isn't to learn a lot of truths so that you don't need God anymore. Become like a little child. Ask, believe, and yes, even play. When you stop trying to be an adult and get it right, prayer will just flow because God has done something remarkable. He's given you a new voice. It is his own. God has replaced your badly damaged prayer antenna with a new one, the Spirit. I say all of this up front because I want us to know that prayer at its most foundational level is about relationship with God as our Father. Now, I'm going to teach us some systems today, but sometimes systems can kind of become rote, uh, kind of desensitizing us to God as a person, and specifically as our Father. Uh, that's not what these systems are intended to do. Uh, but we have to come to these systems as children, talking to our Father, with joyful hearts, fully invested in God as a person. So think about that up front as we're walking through these. Okay, so our, our four main points this morning, or sections that we're going to talk through, are number one, Acts. Number two, praying scripture. Number three, the Lord's Prayer. And then fourth, we'll walk through some helpful tools. So uh, our first system that, that I want to recommend uh, is the Acts system. Uh, I mentioned this one briefly last week. So what is the Acts system? Uh, well, it's, it's an acrostic. Uh, the A stands for adoration. The C stands for confession. The T for thanksgiving. And the S, supplication. Uh, that's just a fancy word for, for asking or requesting. So what do all of those mean? Uh, and I want us to think about this for a second, just, just even looking kind of at that acrostic, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Uh, which one of those do we normally start with? Supplication, right? Asking. Uh, most of us, myself included, tend to jump straight into prayer by asking God for stuff. Uh, and if we're not careful... That can be the extent of our prayer lives. Uh, again, uh, husbands out there, I want you to think about this. If that were the extent of your communication that you had with your wife, just, just asking for things and nothing else, how would you say that that relationship's going? Probably not very well. Uh, while God has a lot more tolerance on this than us as, a, as humans, uh, and he does tell us to ask him for things. We're going to walk through that in a little bit. Uh, that can't be the extent of our prayer life. Uh, prayer life is so much more than that. So uh, what I'm saying is, is this model of prayer doesn't only show us the elements of prayer. I, I want to suggest to it that it also shows us the priority. Uh, for that reason, I, I think the X acrostic is a really helpful structure. Uh, so let's start with A. Adoration. Uh, adoration is just a fancy word for praise. 
Uh, We're adoring God or, or praising God for who he is. So when you look at the Psalms specifically, they're chopped full of these types of prayers, uh, taking who they know God to be from his word and from their experience and taking time just to, to praise him, to, to adore him for who he is. So, so think about the beginning of Psalm chapter eight. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name above all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, or the beginning of Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Psalm 104, pretty much the entire Psalm. I'm not gonna go read it, but I encourage you to read it later. Psalm 104, almost the entire Psalm is adoration. Uh, I'd say that the more that we grow in prayer, the more time we're going to spend in this first element, adoration. Uh, The C stands for confession, specifically confession of sin. Uh, So as we come into God's presence and we remember who he is, we we also remember who we are uh, in light of who God is. Uh, We see that we've fallen short of God's holiness and that we need his forgiveness. And so after we've prayed adoration and remembered who God is, we take time to confess. Uh, I think about Psalm 51 here. David begins, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So we take time, first and foremost, to adore and praise God for who he is. We then take time to confess sin and realize who we are. Next, uh, the T stands for thanksgiving. And this is where we remember the grace and mercy and provision that God has shown us. We take time not only to acknowledge who God is in adoration, we also take time here to thank him for for who he is and what he's done. I think of Psalm 108 here. It says, My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. So adoration, confession, we take time to thank him for literally everything that we could possibly thank him for. And then finally, the S stands for supplication. Uh, As I said earlier, This is where we bring requests before God. And we don't need much help here. We're typically pretty good at this. Uh, The the verse that that Brooke read earlier from from Philippians 4, 6 sums this up pretty well. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so uh, in this section, uh, even though we're, we're pretty good at asking things of God, I want us to understand this, that there's nothing too big or too small to bring before God. 
Remember, we're children coming and talking to our father who happens to be the king of the universe, who loves us. Never forget that. In a bit, we're going to actually dive into the Lord's Prayer, but even that prayer, as we walk through it, I want you guys to notice this, that even in, in the Lord's Prayer, it somewhat follows this Acts pattern. So adoration, the Lord's Prayer starts with, hallowed be your name. Jesus starts by acknowledging God's holy character. Confession, forgive us our debts, right? Thanksgiving, even though this isn't as explicit as the others, he prays, give us this day our daily bread. So in that petition, there's an implied thanksgiving in acknowledging God as the one who gives daily bread and being thankful for that. It's thanksgiving for all that he has and will provide in our lives. Supplication. Your kingdom come. Give us this daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Those are all requests. Now, we're going to talk more about those later, but what I want us to see is that, that this kind of gives some structure to our prayers. Uh, instead of kind of aimless wondering or meaningless repetition, but we can think through each of these elements each time we pray. Uh, for you parents out there, uh, this is a great way to, to teach your kids how to pray as well. And while we're on that topic of aimless wondering and meaningless repetition, uh, that brings us to our next point, point two, praying scripture. Remember last week, that, that quote from Martin Luther with, with him confessing how much he stunk at prayer? You remember that? Similarly, I want to start here with a quote from John Piper. John Piper says this. He says, if I try to pray for people or events without having the word in, uh, in front of me, guiding my prayers, then several negative things happen. One is that I tend to be very repetitive. I just pray the same things all the time. Another negative thing is that my mind tends to wonder. That's John Piper saying that. I'd, I'd put him close to the top of the list as one of the godliest people that I can think of. More than that, he's kind of the epitome of focus and of discipline, right? If he, of all people, is saying that his mind wanders in prayer, I've got no hope. And that's kind of been my experience over the years. I can go into praying with a sincere desire to pray, and five minutes later, I'm chasing squirrels in my head. I'm all of a sudden turn into Dory from Finding Nemo. Or I just end up praying repetitively. Maybe you've had the same experience. You've desired to pray regularly, but you've given up because you just end up praying the same old things about the same old things. You get bored, right? Uh, along with Don Whitney uh, in his book, Praying the Bible, uh, I want to suggest that, that maybe the issue here isn't with God or even with you necessarily. Maybe we get bored because of our method of prayer. And hear this loud and clear. Praying about the same old things isn't wrong or bad. I don't know about most of you, but most of my days and weeks of my life really aren't that different from one another. I've got my family, my friends, my church, my future, my finances, 
the broader kingdom of God, every once in a while a crisis. So what I pray for is not going to fluctuate that much. The problem comes and begins to get boring when I say the same old things about the same old things. So what's the solution? Well, if there's a solution to this, and I want to suggest that there is, the solution must be a simple one. Uh, and I say this because God calls all of his children to pray. And he has children all across the spectrum. Children with low IQs, high IQs, infants in the faith, adults in the faith, infants in age, elderly in age. You get the point. If, if we're called to pray, the solution must be a simple one. And it is. So here we go. Here it is. The simple solution to the problem of praying the same old things about the same old things and getting bored in prayer is this. Pray through the scriptures, particularly the Psalms. To be honest, even with the Acts model that we just walked through, it's possible to pray the same old things. But when we use scripture, I don't have to always be coming up with new things to pray, right? I don't have to be creative in how I adore God. He's given me 150 different psalms to use. He's given me the entire Bible at my disposal to pray back to him. Another outcome of praying through scripture is that most importantly, it gets us on God's agenda. Tim Keller says this. He says, what it means to become a Christian is you don't get God coming into your life to meet your needs so that you can reach your agenda. But rather, you are drawn into his agenda. You're not your own anymore. So praying the Bible helps us to pray God's agenda. It helps our will conform to his will. When we pray scripture, we can pray confidently knowing that we're praying God's will, right? So, what, is, what does that even look like? There's a whole chapter on this. We'll be talking about this a little bit later. There's a whole chapter on what it would look like to pray scripture in this book, specifically praying the Psalms. I can't, can't recommend this book highly enough. This, uh, of all the books, has been the most helpful to me anyway on, on what it looks like to have an organized prayer life called Praying the Bible by, by Don Whitney. Uh, so this morning, uh, I want to just give us a tiny little taste of that using Psalm 23, a very well-known psalm. And it starts this way. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So... You read the text, and you might pray something like this. Lord, I thank you that you're my shepherd. You're a good shepherd. You have shepherded me all my life. And great shepherd, please shepherd my family today. Guard them from the ways of the world. Guide them into the ways of God. Lead them not into temptation. Deliver them from evil. Oh, great shepherd, I pray for my children. Cause them to be your sheep. 
May they love you as their shepherd as I do. And Lord, please shepherd me in the decision that's before me about my future. Do do I make that move or change or not? I also pray for our under-shepherds at the church. Please shepherd them as they shepherd us. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So maybe when you read the words, lie down, what comes into mind is, I really need some rest. So you, you pray that God would allow you time today to maybe take a nap. Side note here, really important, what I'm suggesting here is very different from interpreting the Bible. Uh, when we're interpreting the Bible, there's only one interpretation. Uh, we we don't have the authority to kind of stream of consciousness, make it mean whatever we want. But in prayer, it's valid to pray almost anything that comes to mind while reading scripture. It's as, as simple as that. To, to pray scripture, you go through the scripture line by line and talk to God about whatever comes to mind as you read and meditate on his word. You ask the Spirit to bring to mind the agenda of God as you pray. Now, where do I get that? Is this just good advice that, that Donald Whitney or, or John Piper came up with? No. Uh, we see this all over the Bible itself. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Uh, Daniel 9, 1 through 3, it says this. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent, Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer, and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So you see that. He's reading along in scripture and sees what the word of the Lord is, and that in turn prompts him to pray and fast about what he sees in the text. What about the early church? So that's an Old Testament example. What about the early church? We looked at Acts chapter 4 last week, and I want us to look at it again. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. It says, When they were released, they, were, were, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Uh, some of your Bibles will have quotes around that. Uh, this is a quote from Psalm 147, verse 6. Verse 25, it goes on, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, By the Holy Spirit. Here's another quote. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's a direct quote from Psalm chapter 2. It goes on, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. 
And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So they're in this room and they're praying through the Psalms. And because of these truths that they're prompted to pray for boldness in gospel proclamation. Again, this prayer isn't dry and dusty and overstructured. It's powerful. The place in which they're gathered together was shaken, and it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So don't try to tell me that to pray through the scriptures instead of spontaneously is less spirit-filled. This is the definition of spirit-filled. The scriptures were written by the Holy Spirit speaking through men. Praying the scriptures is spirit-filled prayer. So you see this kind of thing going on in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. And most importantly, you see Jesus himself utilizing this mode of prayer. Matthew 27, 46 uh, some, some Bible commentators believe that Jesus was actually praying the Psalms as he hung on the cross. Matthew 27, 46, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's Psalm 22. How about Luke 23, 46? Then Jesus, this is again Jesus on the cross, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's Psalm 31, verse 5. Think about that. Jesus' final act before dying was praying a psalm. This isn't something that, that just old, dusty, reformed theologians came up with. It's powerful. Moving on uh, to point three. So uh, one, one method or mode of praying is using the Acts acrostic. The other most helpful one, uh, in my opinion, is praying through Psalms, praying through scriptures. Uh, but, but point three, you can't talk about praying through the scriptures without talking about the Lord's Prayer and what it would look like to even pray through the Lord's Prayer as scripture. So Matthew 6, 9 through 13 Matthew 6, 9 through 13, Jesus says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As with praying through other scripture, uh, the goal here isn't just to woodenly read through the prayer with no heart involved. Uh, Jesus gives us a, a model to follow which teaches us a pattern and a principle of prayer here. He, he's not saying, just, just pray these exact words and you're good to go. They're, they're magic words. Just, just recite them to God every day and he'll love you. 
No, that's not Jesus's point here. But he is teaching us some very important aspects of what prayer should be like. Look at this. He starts with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven. From the, the very first words, we're reminded that Christianity isn't an individual thing. It isn't just an individual thing. Uh, this prayer starts with a plural pronoun, our. Uh, this prayer starts by reminding us that, that, yes, there is a vertical relationship. And there's horizontal relationships. If God is our father, and not just my father, you and I must be brothers and sisters. So from the beginning of this prayer, you might be prompted to thank God for your brothers and sisters in Christ, your, your church family. As you think about God being our Father, you might think about what an amazing truth that is, that, that we're adopted as God's sons and daughters. The more you meditate and pray about that, the sweeter it becomes. Stepping back even more, the hour teaches us that prayer has a communal aspect to it. Yes, praying by yourself is a good thing. And that guards against just praying to impress people publicly. But an overcorrection to that is to never pray with other Christians. The first word of this prayer reminds us that we're meant to pray with other brothers and sisters. Sisters in Christ, and uh, to God, our Father. There's so much more that, that we could say about that, but I'll move on. He says, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Uh, while we're reminded of God's closeness and care in calling him our Father, we're also here reminded that he's in heaven. In other words, He's at the top of the food chain. You're acknowledging that from, from the beginning. Uh, John Onwachekwa, that we quoted last week, he reminds us, he says, when biblical authors speak of heaven, they are not, on, not only are they referring to a place or a location, but they are also referencing a statement of power. So when we say that uh, this or that person is in the White House, Right? We know that we're not just talking about location. We're talking about authority. The same is true here. In prayer, we acknowledge God's authority, not only in our lives, but in all things. So maybe at this point, you stop and ask God to reveal to you anywhere that you're rejecting his authority. Take time to repent. You also might take time to thank him for your, his authority in your life. You might take time to speak back to God that you realize that he is in control. Even though you're stressed out about this or that from work this week, you remember in this prayer that God is in heaven. Psalm 115.3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does as he pleases. In light of that truth, maybe you take time to pray about some injustice that you see around you in our world. And you remember there that you're not praying to just a village God whose arm is short. 
You're praying to the God of the universe who can actually do something about injustice. Think about this. Similar to the question I asked last week, if you had the ear of the most powerful being in the universe, what would you ask for? In this part of the Lord's Prayer, we're reminded that we have exactly that. Uh, For time's sake, uh, I'm going to go fast through the rest of the prayer, but I highly recommend a number of these books that that just kind of look at each line of the Lord's Prayer in depth. So uh, this book by Al Mohler, The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down. This whole book goes chapter by chapter on each line of the Lord's Prayer, looking at at both its, its interpretation and meaning and what it would look like to pray that back. Uh, This also, prayer, how praying together shapes the church. Uh, So this is looking at at not only what it looks like for us as individuals to pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, but what it would look like for us uh, communally and as as a church to pray the Lord's Prayer. So highly recommend these these books. And then there's a whole chapter here in Tim Keller's book, Prayer, uh, on the Lord's Prayer and what it would look like to to line by line pray through these. So uh, again, Love for you guys to, to borrow these books and, and read through them. Um, some of you have already borrowed them and, and started into them. So I love that. Um, any book that I recommend, it, what's mine is yours. Love, love for you to, to borrow them and, and read through them and have discussions on them. Um, but one huge thing that, that I want to point out is that, that this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, uh, it starts completely Godward. Uh, before it moves to asking for provision. So again, like what what, what we said earlier about the Acts model, the Lord's Prayer starts, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. All of that comes before give us and forgive us and lead us, right? This is a pattern of prayer. Uh, Again, Think about the Acts model. This starts with God, praising him for who he is. Hallowed be your name. We're praying there that God's name would be honored. That we're concerned more with God's reputation in the world than our own. Again, this opens up a thousand specific things that you could pray for. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. This is an outright prayer for the success of the gospel in the world. So we take time there to pray for our evangelism and our church's evangelism and other churches' evangelism and global missions. You see how you could take one line of this prayer and spend hours praying through specific things. That's the beauty of it. Uh, Skipping down a little bit in the prayer. Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Uh, This is where, again, we we express our dependence on God. Even in the request, we're acknowledging that God is our provider. Jesus calls us to make this, this prayer request. He calls us to make this because it's a prayer that God's capable and willing to answer. Think about that. Notice that, that Jesus, Jesus calls us to ask God for daily bread. Not weekly bread or enough bread for the rest of our lives. That's important. Even in this prayer, he wants us to rely on God for provision daily. 
You might stop here and pray about genuine needs you have as a family or for us as a church. You might take time to be thankful for the ways God has provided in the past. Again, the Lord's Prayer is a trellis that can grow off so many different prayers as you walk through it. And the next petition here is absolutely glorious. It says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You understand the implication of that? How cruel would I be if Cruz was really in need of some water and I told him, go ask mom for some water. When I knew that Shannon either had no water or was unwilling to give it to him. How cruel would I be? Jesus here in this prayer, he's telling us to ask God to forgive us our debts. The implication here is that God is willing and able to forgive our debts. Look, every single one of us has sinned against God. And every single one of us owes the debt of the full amount of God's wrath. But because Jesus came and died on the cross in our place, we can be forgiven. When we turn from sin and trust in Christ, our debts are paid in full. Jesus tells us here as God's children to petition God for forgiveness of debt. And he knows that because of the cross, God has already answered that prayer. This is a time of prayer where we both confess sin and revel in the gospel. Your debt is paid in full. So take time in prayer to thank God for that. Then live in response by forgiving others. Ask God here if if there's anyone that you need to forgive. There's so many things that we can pray just using the Lord's Prayer as a model. Uh, Because we're running low on time, I want to move fast into our last section very briefly, just to give us a a couple of helpful tools, hopefully. Uh, Prayer, again, I I said this last week, but prayer is hard. Prayer is really hard. Uh, But nothing worth doing usually comes easy. I want to finish this morning by by giving you a couple of tools that hopefully will aid in prayer. But I want to remind us that they're just that. They're just tools. Uh, Again, without a heart that's changed by Jesus and without a genuine desire to commune with God, these tools that we're going to walk through are are worse than worthless. Uh, In fact, they can easily become a, a sense of pride and a sense of legalism. And so I want to say that up front, Uh, they're they're not meant to be used as another box for you to check because we think we're pleasing God by their mere use. Uh, They're tools meant to help us commune with God and to pray for others. So uh, in no particular order, uh, there's an app that's called the Prayer Mate app. Uh, Really would encourage you guys to go check it out. Helpful little thing that you can set it for however often you want it to just pop up on your phone and remind you to pray throughout the day. Uh, You look at, uh, again, both the Old and the New Testament. Uh, There's different people periodically described that are praying at specific times throughout the day. Um, And and that's not a bad thing. Uh, It's it's nothing that, like I said, it's not legalism. 
Um, but sometimes just a helpful thing to have something pop up and remind you at a specific time of the day to pray. Uh, you can also put prayer requests for different people inside that app. So it pops up and it'll shuffle through the people that you want to be praying for. So on any given Sunday morning, you hear a prayer request, you can put it right into that app and it'll pop up and remind you Monday morning at eight or 10 or whatever time you want it to, to remind you, pray for so-and-so. This is what they ask for prayer for. Uh, it also links with another resource that I'm gonna talk about later, Operation World. So it'll pop up prayer requests for you uh, of, of different things that are going on globally, uh, and missionaries in different parts of the world. Uh, it actually is linked to this book. Uh, and so it'll, it'll give you specific psalms and kind of guide you through praying through those psalms like we talked about earlier. Really helpful app. It's called Prayer Mate. Uh, second, prayer cards or notebooks and journals. Uh, this book right here, Paul Miller, Praying Life, uh, really, really, really helpful chapter on what it would look like to make prayer cards. So often uh, we, we you know, ask, how can I pray for you? And someone gives us a prayer request and we might pray for that one time in the moment. We might remember it the next day and then we kind of move on. Uh, and we might not ever revisit how that thing's going. Uh, prayer cards are one way he recommends just getting a little note card and writing each person that you're praying for's name on it and keeping a running list of what you're praying for for them. Uh, you can go back to that and, and see, man, we've been praying for this for a while and God answered that prayer. Uh, great way to do it. I just use a little field notes notebook where I, I have all of your names in here and specific things that you've asked me to pray for. Um, so as I'm praying, I can flip through and I'm praying for the same things. And I, I'll reach out and ask you, hey, how's that thing going? Wow, awesome, God answered that prayer. I put a check mark next to it and just be thankful that God answered that prayer. So prayer cards, notebooks, journals. Uh, again, just a helpful tool to kind of give some, some structure to your prayer so you're not falling asleep uh, five minutes in. Uh, collections of written prayers. I uh, didn't bring this one in this morning, I left it in my office, but uh, there's a, a little blank book called The Valley of Vision. Uh, it's a book of Puritan prayers that, that's really helpful. Uh, the Book of Common Prayer has some really beautiful prayers written in it. Uh, again, a lot of times reading those prayers that faithful saints but before us have prayed is a really beautiful thing. And a lot of times it puts something into words that, that my heart has wanted to express, but I haven't had the, the good words to do it. And so praying through those prayers is really helpful. It might recall something that you hadn't thought to pray for that... that as you read it, you're like, yeah, like that, I wanna pray for that right now. So, so collected written prayers, really helpful thing uh, as you're, you're developing your prayer life. Fourth, uh, Operation World. So again, big book here, uh, but you can connect uh, it through the PrayerMate app. What this is, is just alphabetical order. It, it goes through all the people groups of the world where there's missionaries. Um, it gives you some stats on those people and how you might pray for them as a country, how you might pray for the specific missionaries that are there and, and things that they're going through. Um, so it's called Operation World, the Definitive Prayer Guide to Every Nation. Uh, again, this, this kind of expands our prayer lives. And I think that that's something helpful to do, uh, starting with maybe you um, praying for things that are going on in your life expanding that to, to a little broader circle of, okay, what can I pray for in my family? What can I pray for in my church? 
What can I pray for in my city? What can I pray for in the world? Uh, this is one way of kind of expanding that, that prayer life to the nations and to the world. So Operation World. Uh, prayer prompt cards or, or books. So uh, these things are actually really great. Uh, and all of these are going to be available when we finish the, the prayer room over here. Hopefully that the floors will get done in there in the next couple of weeks. And uh, there will be a place where people can go in and pray and actually look at some of these things. So prayer cards, like lifting up my wife through prayer. Uh, there's several different passages that are things that you could pray for your wife for. Lifting my children through prayer, lifting my husband through prayer. Uh, same type thing, these books. Uh, five things to pray for the people you love. Five things to pray for your church. Five things to pray for your world. Five things to pray for your heart. Five things to pray for your city. Five things to pray for your kids. So. Uh, th these are just resources that, you know, if you're at a loss for, for what to be praying, uh, these are helpful things to flip through. And, and again, most of them are, are scripture-based. It's given you specific scriptures that deal with these things that you can pray through. Um, kind of latch your heart on to God's heart in, in, in that way. So uh, again, all of these are, are great tools to help us pray um, or, or even know how to pray at a given moment. Uh, but at the end of the day, I want us to remember that the God of the universe is our Father. So I want to end where, where we started. Uh, he is our Father, and He wants to talk to us as His children. Uh, prayer is complex, but it's also simple, too. Uh, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, uh, we want you to know the, the core of that Lord's Prayer, that your, your debts can be forgiven. That God has made a way for you to be rescued and restored and redeemed into his family. Uh, you can, with millions of people around the world, call God our Father. Uh, you can be an adopted son or daughter into his family by turning in, uh, from sin and, and turning to God in belief. Now, that's the, the greatest possible news that I could possibly share this morning. Uh, if you have questions about that, I'd love to talk to you more after the service. Uh, finally, to those of you who are here who are Christians, I want to make uh, close with kind of a final plea. Uh, in prayer, we have the greatest resource in the world available to us. My plea to you is don't let that go unused. Depend on God with all of your soul. I really want to encourage us to be a praying church. Uh, over the, the coming months, we're going to kind of be, like I said, finishing and opening this prayer room over here with, with all of the resources I've suggested and hopefully more. Uh, we're also going to be planning specific prayer nights uh, where anyone and everyone's invited to come and pray as a church. Uh, I'd also encourage each of you to begin praying in smaller groups and as individuals. I want to remind us that, that God's arm is not short and his ear is not deaf. With all of my heart, uh, I want to see a movement of God in this county. And I believe it starts with prayer. So may we be a praying people. Let's pray.